welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. Can I make you a quick offer? I'll make it really fast if that's okay. I have a new online class. I've been building this class for weeks, months, years actually. You know, I was a college professor for 12 plus years and now I've been interviewing experts about the business of art in this podcast. I've taken everything I've learned, all the research, all the time, all the money I've spent, and I've rolled it all into a new online class just for you guys. I wanna help artists have more success. I want to help you make your artwork appeal. So for a limited time, for people who are joining the Artist Appeals online class as founding members, I'm offering a discount of 80%. Plus, I'm throwing in five bonuses to make you successful. So I thought to myself, what else do they need to be successful? They need this course. They need to learn how to photograph their artwork. They need to learn how to color correct it, how to make repeating patterns, how to get into the flow state faster. So those are the bonuses that I can think of off the top of my head. Then the whole course, the whole course of helping you find your voice and taking you all the way from finding your artistic voice all the way through creating a product, creating pricing ladders, pricing for wholesale and retail, educating your audience with stories, you know, amplifying through automation, licensing all the way to success. So I hope you'll join me at The Artist Appeals, the new online course to help you make your artwork appeal. Hello there, folks. In today's episode of The Artist Appeals, I want to introduce you to a real live wire. This lady is a bundle of energy and I love her. She is the founder of Earth Angel Studios, an online shop where you can buy home decor, handmade goods, vintage things. Her collection is curated in the most extraordinary way. It's just beautiful work. And she represents artists from around, oh, everywhere. She's got a whole roster of just amazing artists and amazing work at Earth Angel Studios. She also has this new, really cool space where she holds events. She, she founded and started what's called the Art Girls Roadshow, where she takes her collection of curated handmade artwork on the road, all around the nation, and also to Europe. And now she has this really cool new space that she and her husband just renovated in New York. It's in Florida, New York. It's only open at select times of the year because they put on these events. like They are special. And this space used to be an old ice house. Then it was converted to a foundry. So it's had ice, now it's had fire, and now it has art. So I'd love to introduce you to this wonderful lady. She's so much fun to talk with, so funny, so high energy. Without further ado, please allow me to introduce you to Jen O'Connor. All right. Well, I am thrilled and honored to be able to nab some of your time this morning and have this this exchange. So thank you so very much for reaching out and thinking of me. Oh, well, thank you for joining me. You came highly recommended. Mm, reputation that precedes me. Got to watch out for them. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I always like to start the interview with a little backstory, talking about where you ended up doing what you're doing now. Was there some sort of event or defining moment where you just said, I have to go this direction. I have to start a studio and an art. And for those of us listening, for those of you guys listening, we've got Jen with us from Earth Angel Studios. And how did you get here? What's your backstory? It's a great question because I really feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. And that's a nice thing to be able to say. And I would mm, say that's a nice feeling. It is, it is. And life is is all about timing and who you know. And a series of of happy accidents and opportunities and truly reading the road signs. So I 
officially been in business doing this, this Earth Angels for for 25 years, which, you know, gulp. (laughs) It started as a hobby business when I was working full time. My background and training is in urban planning and small business economic development. So Mm. I... I look at production and I look at communities and I look at makers in a in a very different way. I look at them from the point of view first and foremost of community and contribution. And mm. so with an understanding of trying to work with artists and makers to do what they do best, I left urban planning and a great wonderful job at the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce when Brooklyn was really sort of asserting itself and putting itself back on the map mm-hmm. and started to do consulting and then you know started having babies and then sort of decided in 1999 and 2000 that you know after doing it for about 5 years on the side that this was really I'd been working so hard for other people I was just going to work really hard for myself. I like that. I did. I did. I did. And, but just coming from a background of, you know, I had worked nonprofit, I had worked private sector, I had worked in community organization. I have sort of always chosen to wave the flag of the artists with whom I do business, almost to the point where people didn't understand that there was a gen behind the studios, or they even email me now and say, how do I join your group site? It's like, oh no, that's, that's not what this is. This is a sort of curated collection of, of handmade and vintage things that I like and artists that I truly believe in. So I always sort of had to really feel a connection with the artists and the makers. And I began by selling what I liked, Mm -hmm. but knew that experiential selling was always more valuable. And so my mom was selling. So I'd spent my childhood sort of sleeping under tables at antique shows (laughs) and you know, I knew well the show circuit. And so yeah. I started doing shows in 1994 and continued to do them all the way up and do shows exclusively through about 2002. And mm-hmm. then I moved up to Warwick, New York and started having events at my home because I was living in a much larger home and not in a city. And so I could sort of invite people to my space and started to do shows both at my home And then I started doing shows. And when I was pregnant with my second kid, I did 36 shows that year. That was a little much. Wow. Well, you were pregnant. Along the way, I picked up fabulous clients and I picked picked up fabulous artists and was consistently and constantly inspired by what they made. Yeah. And so I have chosen to really promote them. And as the, the sort of tide of handmade sort of rose... I've been there. I've been part of that. And so I developed a relationship with with Decor and Shelter magazines, including Joe Packham of Where Women Create, which was yeah. wonderful. And I've worked really hard not just to make a buck selling art or buying and selling handmade or buying and selling vintage inspired art, but but mm-hmm. really sort of truly promoting the artists with whom I do business. And in that sense, continuing to build community. That's a very long answer, but that's really sort of how I got here. And I really feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. No, that's wonderful. And and let me back you up. I want to define a couple of things. You used a term called experiential selling. Can you just talk a little bit about what that might mean? 100%. So when you buy something, you're obviously, you know, exchanging money for an object. And there's so much out there that's sort of like assaulting our senses in terms of what we can buy and where we can go. Oh, yeah. You know, that I really have always felt that the idea of buying from someone you know, which is, you know, decidedly old-fashioned, buying something from a shop you believe in or buying something from an artist that you've encountered sort of carries the, the energy of the experience. It's almost like the idea of a souvenir from someplace that, you went and loved. You know, you wonder why you buy it when you're there, but of course you buy it just because it's a token of a, of a memory that 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 you had a, a place, a connection, a a time where you had an experience that you wanted to remember with an object. Yes. I'm a, I'm a collector, and so perhaps I understand that more than most, but 
Some of my collections are absolutely worthless to anyone else. They mean nothing to anyone else, but they're, they carry with them, you know, the rocks that I've picked up everywhere I go. Yeah. Yeah. The seeds that the plants in my garden have come from. Yeah. The gardens of people that I love. I always think, oh, can you give me a cutting? Give me some seeds. And so the, yeah. I, the idea of building a handmade life is one that speaks to you personally. It's not measured by anyone else's aesthetic. It's not measured by anyone else's commercial motivation. And so I really try very hard to, to sell. When I do sell something to someone, I want them to love it. I never want them, if they want to buy future yard sale fodder, then they can go to, to Home Goods and spend 20 bucks and get a rush and buy some pitcher that they'll use for two summers and then throw out. Mm-hmm. If they choose to buy handmade, if they choose to buy something that carries the energy of, of the artist that made it or the, the place where they bought it, they're choosing to bring something into their heart and their home that hopefully will always have a place. And I always tell my clients and my customers that if something speaks to them, you know, listen. And so I sell really, got to say it, I sell useless, expensive things. But somehow, <laughs> but somehow they're not useless. Somehow they, they actually speak to someone and they answer a question that's being asked in terms of an aesthetic or a texture or a color or a palette. And they usually handmade things do cost more. Than commercially produced junk. But when you buy something from Earth Angel Studios, when you buy something from me, which, you know, helps support these artists, then you're basically investing in a women-owned business. You're investing in in their artistic vision and you're sort of sharing it. And so that creates an experiential purchase where the shopper, the buyer, the client, the customer, however they choose to see themselves has become part of that handmade journey of the maker. And yeah. they've also brought that maker into their home. And so it's really a wonderful thing. So I started doing shows where I would bring things to shows because shows were the things that were done in the 90s and, and the early 2000s. And by shows, do you mean like craft fairs or no, like- I never did a craft fair. I don't sell crafts, I sell art. And the so okay. craft, I really, there's a big, big difference between- So what types of shows? Like so how do the show circuit in the 90s and the 2000s were uh, decor shows. They were antique ah. shows. They were toy shows. They were collector shows. And that okay. was pre-eBay, right? Right. So now eBay is your online marketplace. People used to have to get up on a Saturday morning and go stand outside a hotel ballroom or a VFW that would be rented by a group, by a show promoter. And that mm-hmm. was the model. The model was shows where they were juried, lots of them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you just paid money and showed up. I mean, they were, they were curated, collected shows. What's interesting, it's sort of come full circle. And I'm doing a lot of these curated, juried, petite art shows, actually, in many in Europe, actually, where I go. Oh. And I do with a meter by meter space where I tell I sort of give a, an amuse-bouche of the my business. Amuse-bouche. I like yeah. that word. There you go. A petite tasting of what my business is about. Because when there's so much out there, as we talked about, with the, the senses being assaulted of what's available and the internet vying for, you know, visual purchase with people and Instagrams, you know, the feeds are so dynamic and so actually so many beautiful objects coming at us, people got very overwhelmed. It is. And people got very used to shopping online Mm -hmm. or if they needed a fix. Like we said, going to a store that they knew that they could navigate, like that home goods for that quick fix. (laughs) Needed a fix. (laughs) Needed a fix, right? We all need retail therapy. So or just that new (laughs) lipstick at CVS. And that's all good, but but you get really distanced from the idea of feathering your nest and decorating your home with objects that are meaningful. And so, you know, when I was first married, you know, my husband and I would go out on, you know, a Saturday or Sunday morning and we could go to one of these shows and maybe, you know, 
pick up this like adorable Swedish chair for 50 bucks because his family was Swedish and it's this beautiful color blue. And yes, it still sits in my bedroom. And I still remember that Saturday morning Mm. when he and I were around. Yeah. Long before Starbucks was on every corner and we had to stop at a diner to sort of get that cup of tea to go. Yeah. People are hungry for that. And so I'm really aware as a retailer with a huge online presence yeah, you can go to my website and you can shop, but as far as I'm concerned, that's not enough. And it's not enough for anyone in the handmade industry. It's not enough for any maker. Any maker has to make themselves available. And that's really hard for some people, right? Because not everyone is extroverted and not everyone likes to stand outside for 10 hours to show your goods in a marketplace. Well, yeah, not everybody has the time or the support system if you've got kids and you're the primary caregiver. Sure. But you're saying people crave experiential selling. And you don't do a show. I like that. Yeah. And makers have to understand that they they should not make the primary goal of doing a show making money. It's never, ever, ever my goal. I don't do a show to make money. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to cover my expenses, but basically if I do a physical show, I do that show to create customers. I do that show to put myself in front of people who will buy something because they like me and my brand and they like the energy of the goods that I'm presenting and my style and my aesthetic. And yeah. if they like one thing, they're going to like everything because my collection is curated, just like a yeah. man just like a maker. So I do a show to make connections. And if there are makers out there that are not putting themselves, even in a small way, in front of the public, they're never going to have that opportunity to meet someone and get the reaction. Now, the feedback. Yeah. So I went from doing 36 shows and then the show, the show market died. And I went three a month. Yeah. So you were like out there every month, I mean, every weekend. And I had a baby in December of that year. It's kind of funny. (laughs) You're insane. That's great. It's crazy. I love it. Mm. Well, I knew I was going to have a second kid and I was hoping more. And I have three now. So I knew that the tide was turning and my husband and I would be quickly outnumbered. And so I sort of then was able to focus on the on the internet as a marketplace while my kids were little. And I chose my appearances very carefully. I would haul myself to California for a weekend, or I would go to Round Top in Texas, or I would go, you know, to the whatever in Chicago. But I was out there in very careful doses, still cultivating a physical presence. And so time rolls on, right? You have Mm -hmm. to grow. You have to grow. You can't do the same thing flat as the new up. You can't do the same amount of work and expect to make more money. You have to do more work and hopefully make the same amount of money because the the market has changed, right? So we have this with this really interesting dynamic where the palette for handmade and the public's perception of the value of handmade has gone up exponentially and at the same time the buying power and the economy has gone in the other direction, right? So the scales have tipped in the you've got to keep your game fresh if you want any part of that purchasing capacity of the public for your stuff. So Mm -hmm. I knew, I I then started to do my own shows. I did the country living fair would be, there'd be 30,000 people. I didn't do 36 shows a year, but I did a dozen because there were only a dozen to do. As I've been biding my time. And then last March, this really cool thing happened, which I want to tell you about. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about it. And I want to invite you to a party. I want to invite everyone to a party that's listening. I love a good party. It's a good party. (laughs) And I'm a good cook. I bet. And I actually make the food that I serve, right? Because how can you be like this, you know, proponent of handmade and then like just order deli sandwiches? You can't do that, right? (laughs) You've got to like use vintage stuff and you've got to, I've created a monster. Now I got to feed it. I've got to like make all the food. Well, and you know, food creates an experience because- Um, So many of my memories from childhood and onward are wrapped around food. Me too. Me too. And, you know, if it's a fall-themed event, we better have, like, hot apple cider, right? And if it's- Oh, a- heck yeah, with a cinnamon stick in it? Mm-hmm. Okay, you will get your own cinnamon stick if you come <laughs> to my party on November 15th and 17th. So I bought, I did this crazy thing. We bought a 7,500-square-foot 7, building. That's Ooh. big, right? 
it's like a party barn yeah well it's it's an an old ice house for the board sensory and this space has this wonderful energy because something was always made there it was an ice house from Uh eight from 1880 to about 1950 Ooh. And then God, it, that sounds so cool. Yeah, and then it lay dormant for a while, and then it went from ice to fire, and it became Uh-oh. ready. They put in forges, and oh. it became this architectural metalworking facility. Oh, cool! I know, right? So it went from ice to fire, and something all the elements rolled right? into one space. And mm, it, I need mm, some air, and it's on a creek, and so now we're adding air. Exactly. So we're adding. We bought this building. I think the reason the the lady finally sold the building to us was because she liked us, thank God. Mm. Um, We took possession of the building last May, March. Mm -hmm. And then we moved in sometime last summer. Oh, you're living there? I'm not living there. I moved my stuff in. I would live there. I want to do like a night at the museum with a camp out. (laughs) Where all the art comes alive at night. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yes and no, because honestly, (laughs) I got to tell you, I'm scared of dolls. Oh, okay. You know, I am scared of <laughs> You cannot possibly be scared of dolls. I'm scared of your collection. Dolls. You know, I'm is, scared is... of antique dolls. I'm scared of antique dolls. Old dolls. Yes. Girl. Yes, those. Okay. But I, I read Annabelle when I was a sorry. kid. And, mm. Sorry, all my friends who are listening. I've watched too many movies. Um, right. So we bought this building. It's three stories. And the first floor is my husband's domain. I had to give him some play space. What does he do? For his space, like, is he a creator or a maker too? No, he's not. But he, it, it, it's it's a full time job being my husband. Let me tell you, <laughs> my wife, my husband. <laughs> but I wouldn't have married me, but he did, and um, we're married. <laughs> we're, we're married twenty five years. So I think by this congratulations. point, congratulations. Yeah, no, he's a motorhead. To tell you what, but that's not ah, what he does. Okay. That's his his hobby. Is he's a motorhead. Mm-hmm. He can turn a, a bicycle into a toaster oven or something like that. <laughs> One of those guy guys. And um, he's got the first floor. And then the second floor is a gallery. It's this huge gallery space. And then the third floor is a photography studio, which is perfect. And we have uh, Ben Ashby right now as our artist in residence, who's a really wonderful young photographer that I know through Folk and Where Women Create. Brilliant. Yeah. And so we are opening the building. It seems almost decadent to have this fabulous space, but we're only opening it three times a year. Oh. And the only reason we're only opening it three times a year is because we want to create that really special experiential purchase, that really experiential browsing that we were talking about. So I'm going to open it three times a year. It's February, mm-hmm. May, and November for one weekend only. Just mm-hmm. like a band tours, and every time they tour, they're touring to promote you know, a certain record. Yeah. That's kind of what we're doing. And so the artists are back to coming to me as opposed to touring with me. Mm-hmm. Anyone that came to the event in May, when they come to the event in November, the space will feel different. The goods will be different. It's got to right. be really dynamic. And yes, that's an incredible amount of work. Yeah. And yes, that's an incredible amount of energy. But that's why I'm still in business selling what I do, right? Because well, it sounds like fun. It is fun. It is fun. Work, hashtag work hard, play hard. Yeah. But you have a shop as well, right? So no, you have a shop. I don't sit there. Are you kidding? Do you mm-hmm. think you'd have to pay me to sit someplace to sit still? No. <laughs> no. Could you actually do it, Jen? No. I'm not sure. No, it's really hard. I've been sitting still for 22 minutes and two seconds right now talking <laughs> to you. And that's really hard for me. I, I wear my cell phone strapped to my body and I'm constantly in motion. But that building is, you know, sort of our store, our shop, but it'll only be open three times a year. And is this in Florida, New York as well? Okay. It is. It's, and I live in Warwick, New York. So it's like a tidy seven minutes door to door. Uh-huh. So I'm there two to three times a week. And certainly I've had people call me and email me and say, gee, I'd really love to stop by. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's fine. But if you stop by, I'm putting you to work. And so they sort of do, <laughs> you know, they come by and they see what wall, what gap, you know, what wall I'm redoing. Or so I have a really wonderful uh, girlfriend and her husband who, collect art as well. And they stopped by and they ended up moving two pieces of furniture. And Lauren said to Bonnie, well, that's the last time we stopped by here unannounced. I'm like, hey, listen, (laughs) you're now part of my story. And that's a really interesting thing I learned from um, my parents, who were both very involved with, with really interesting, dynamic, creative people. When you include people, 
And when you let them be a part of something, when you let them be a part of this big, huge dynamic. Or force, as the case may be. Yeah. Uh, yeah or force. <laughs> coercion. Ins- ins- conscription. Bribery. Uh, conscription. Yeah. Yes. Um, you, you sort of give them the opportunity to be part of your story. And I'm really aware that I'm a very driven person. I'm an aggressive person. I'm a dynamic person, but nothing, nothing that I've achieved and nothing that I've done or the, the artists I've been able to help, I would not have been able to do that without every single customer, client, fan, supporter that's been there every step of the way, supporting the artists through a small purchase. You know, the, the woman- The woman who came to me and the first thing she bought for me was probably $30 in uh, 1999 and she put it on layaway. You never mm-hmm. know who that person's going to become. Mm-hmm. And they have become a great friend, a strong supporter, and have gone on to become hugely successful. And, huh. you know, now uh, you just move the decimal point a couple places over to the right in terms of that person's spending power and the fact that they're still choosing to support artists and makers and handmade. That's a beautiful thing. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. I had a a migraine at a show once and uh, a gal that I recognized, I was pregnant. I had a terrible headache. I had a fanny pack full of money. Thank God fanny packs are back, by the way. (laughs) Thank you, Vogue. Tiva's too, but we're not going to go there. And, um, you know, she came over to me and said, I can tell you don't feel well. I said, I'm really in a bad way. I was about seven months pregnant. And I said, I just need to put my head down for about 20 minutes. And this is gal named Sue Parker, who now owns her own store called By the Pond in Connecticut. And she took my money belt and I came back. My booth had been remerchandised. And uh, she has been traveling and doing business with me since then. You know, happy accident. You know, uh, another gal. Fortuitous. Yeah, fortuitous. And because she did a nice thing, you know, because she she saw me in distress and she, I've been willing to accept help. You know, that's a really hard thing for people to accept help. Yeah. It is. And especially for artists, I think. It is. But you have to realize when you accept help, and I say this to the artists that I work with all the time, when someone accepts help, they give a gift. They give the gift of allowing someone to help them and allowing someone to become part of their journey and their story. And I think that that's a really powerful thing. And and in terms of building community and creating community, gratitude fuels the community we're a part of gratitude for you know artistic talent gratitude for the time to to make gratitude for that support system that you made right i mean that that you mentioned i have three kids right yeah i've been in business since before they were born my youngest turns 14 in two weeks Mm. i recently read an essay that my daughter wrote and she talked about you know going on photo shoots to artist studios and playing on the floor with art supplies and the, the the interesting people that she met and how that really impacted her and introduced her to all different kinds of people, all different kinds of ways to work. And she's actually in her college search process right now and very interested in art history and arts conservation and community oh, development. Neat. Yeah. And very that's neat. not because of me. That's because of the artists and makers that she was exposed to. Yeah. That's because she spent days in a pottery studio while I was doing a photo shoot. And so she learned to respect the time, the energy, the talent, and the fortitude that goes into creating something. And that same type of energy goes into creating a business. And so when a maker chooses to then make for commercial purposes, it invites this whole other different set of skills to sort of blossom if they're to be successful. And I think the more that a maker can be aware that there's this this whole other wardrobe that they have to be willing to don to to really yeah. Put and well, that's what this there. podcast is all about: is about helping artists become more professional. You know, I want to just recap here for just a little, I just want to back up just a little bit. We're talking about your art and how you curate all these other artists' handmade pieces and you help them sell and you create this amazing space in these shows and, and that kind of ties in. So we have the seven-step process of the appeals process, art, product, presentation, educate, 
your audience, amplify through automation, licensing, and success. And that actually leads us, we've already done art and product really well. And that leads us to presentation. So I actually just want to talk about, you know, you're talking about shooting, photographing the artwork in the artist studios and your daughter saw that. And you're talking about this new space you're designing. I think one of the things you really do really, really well is you present the work. And like you said, you make it an experiential, an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about tips and tricks for photographing and presenting stuff? Because I think that's that's part of that, a very core integral part. So I think you and I professionally have concentric circles of our own business development goals and our own sort of professional mission in terms of empowering and enabling artists. And so I'm really interested, Erin, in how you approach and how you market your own services and how you present yourself. I have done for many years something similar, and again, concentric circles, right? Because you have your frame of experience, I have mine. And we're trying, what you and I are both trying trying to do is to help artists fulfill their potential. Yeah. Help them be their best self in the marketplace. Help their goods be most um, well represented in the marketplace to 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 garner those sales, to garner those customers, to garner to those make sales. a living. Yeah, yeah. You know, living, I was a college making, professor a for not a crime. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was a college professor of the arts for about twelve years full time, and um, I just felt like. There's so much to learn. And really at my core, I'm a teacher and I really just want to help fill in the gaps, if you will, because I felt like there were some big gaps in the educational experience for artists. Well, you are you are a teacher and I love the approach that you take. I am not a teacher. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not a teacher. I am I'm two things. I am um, well, I'm a uh, strategic general and I'm 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 <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm joking. What I really am is I'm a storyteller and I am absolutely an instructor. You be the teacher, I'll be the instructor. And I, I tend to lead <laughs> by I tend to lead by example. And so I have done for many years and I've and I've done this, I've done this, it's a it's a public speaking nugget that I do, and I've done it on, you know, the main stage of country living, and I've done it uh-huh. for the create. But I do how to basically how to price handmade and okay. how, and and Can't basic, wait to hear it yeah and and I that's one nugget of a sort of stump speech that I give and the other one is can I sell it and so I've done this sort of reverse show and tell many times with artists and they bring me a selection of products and I do this sort of really quick and I try not to make it brutal, right? Because you're someone mm-hmm. showing you it's like standing up and doing a tap dance at an audition. But I really try to not talk about what the product is so much as can it be sold. And so there's things that I always look for in a product, what I evaluate it. And this is how I find things for my store, right? This is how I find things that I want to sell. This is how I find things that I know are appropriate for wholesale selling by the maker that I can then buy at wholesale and sell retail. And I don't sell on consignment. I take possession of the goods I buy and sell like any store, right? Because I have to okay, believe- Okay, so you buy them outright. That's nice. Consignment doesn't work. It's BS. Yeah. So the students get paid, the students, they the artists, artists they get are paid up They're your students. Yeah, of course. Because if I, don't, if I don't have enough faith in the product to invest money, and take responsibility for marketing the goods, then I don't deserve to sell it. Mm. And I feel really strongly that any high-end retailer that takes goods from an artist on consignment is either, if they want to take them on consignment for an event, if they want to guarantee the artist, you know, I'll take your minimum $300 or $400 or whatever it is worth of stuff, give me $800 worth of stuff and I'll pay you for whatever sells. I'm good with that. But the, anything tentative where they're just, well, maybe it's tentative. I look for hardcore measures of commitment, right? So I may say to an artist, hey, 
you've got great stuff. I definitely will use Skippy Cotton as a, a recent, the newest artist I added to my. I saw she's on your yeah. blog today, she's Monday. On my blog today, July I know. July first started blogging again because you know what? Again, people are actually hungry for more than fifteen words. So. Yeah, beautiful she's pictures on, in her space. My, yep, she's on my blog today. And I, this is I, that you guys got to go look at this. Um, it's Earth Angel, excuse me, Earth Angels plural yeah, toys dot blogspot dot com. Yeah, or they you photographed look, her space. There's, it's just such a beautiful space, and that's part of your presentation. A hundred percent. So you can you can find the blog link too through EarthAngelsStudios.com. That I used yes. to, yeah, because I rebranded. I've rebranded a couple times. But anyway, that's what happens in 25 years. But um, so Emma is an artist that I picked up, right? So I I, I actually saw her mm-hmm. on Instagram, hmm. right? I, I'm shopping on Instagram too, everyone. Um, oh, hear I, that, folks? I uh, hear that. I'm <laughs> shopping on Instagram. I'm spending money on Instagram just like you are. And so a friend shared one of her posts. And so I, I, I saw it, right? Because I saw and I noodly about things. So I followed the tag and I was just like, oh my God, this girl is really talented. So I then I basically cold called her and she probably thought I was absolutely insane because <laughs> I come on like a freaking freight train. Um but I was like Really? Look, yeah. So I was like, look, this is who I am. And she knew who I was, which is great, right? That always makes it easier. And it's a little bit validating when you know you call someone and they're like, okay, yeah, I know your business. I was like, okay, so this is who I am and I want to buy your stuff. And she was like, whoa, I sell my own stuff. I'm like, that's fine. You can sell your own stuff. I have no problem if you sell your own stuff, but I bet you I can sell more of your stuff because I have like a little bit of a reach here, you know, national ads for a couple of decades, you know, big business. Right on. Right. So it took a while, like two to three hours worth of conversation. I drove to Boston and for most of the conversation, most of the time in my car on the way to Boston, I was on the phone with Emma because... I didn't just want to buy to sell. I wanted to buy from her, but I also wanted to, her to understand that I was going to come and photograph her studio and space for magazine publication. I wanted her to understand that I expected her to come to my events. Right. And she did. And she stood there in May for days and talked to people, right? Nice. Because I wanted her to understand that I was interested in doing more than making you know, her things start at like $18. So I'm going to make $9, you know, or $7 or what $6 after my, you know, whatever uh-huh. it is overhead. Uh-huh. And it's not about that sale. It's about the cumulative impact of working together to celebrate her style, her artistry and building her brand. And so mm. that's what you do too. You want artists to build their brand. So I try to let people know there's like, a trifecta of promotion. So yeah, Emma's on the blog. She was on my Facebook stories yesterday. She was Mm -hmm. on my Instagram stories yesterday. She's on Facebook today. She's on both of my Instagram pages today. So that there's this like multiple impressions. I want everyone to know we're working together. Mm -hmm. And I want everyone to know, I don't, I don't want to look ever like I'm the retailer with my handout just to sell something. I want them to know that I think this is an incredibly talented young woman. Mm-hmm. She's willing to invest her time in my business and share her space, share her homes. I met her two cats yesterday, right? So I want people to know that this is how business really needs to happen, that there needs to be this mutual exchange of spirited input that results in sales, but it also results in relationship building. And so then Emma, who has her own concentric circles, uh-huh. Brought me into another circle of her. She works for Shop Parcel, and I met Nancy LaBoz, her boss, yesterday. And I was in Nancy's fabulous mid-century home, and Nancy's just an amazing retailer who has fabulous aesthetic and style that I admire. And hello, I was inspired by because I need that, and I'm constantly aware that as much as I've been in business a long time, and as much as I'm sort of you know, okay, I could get life credits as a seasoned professional. I need to keep learning and I need to keep exposing myself to different styles. And Nancy's all about mid-century and, you know, I'm not, but I spent a day in her mid-century home yesterday and I left just like energized. And so I think documenting my travels, because I have a pretty dynamic 
travel schedule. I travel a lot in Europe to promote the artists with whom I do business and mm-hmm. as part of the Blythe community, which I'm a part of because of Rosanna DeBellis. And if anybody doesn't follow Rosanna DeBellis, you have to, because she's sort of this style icon in um, Italy for all things, you know, dessert and adorable and pink, <laughs> which is again, not my aesthetic, right? But I'm energized by it. And so there's all these really talented female professionals out there. And for you guys that are need to know how to spell that, we'll put the link down in yeah, the for sure. show notes. <laughs> you have to say it with an Italian accent, Rosanna de Bellis. And Rosanna dragged me kicking and screaming back into the doll world. I had started with dolls and bears years and years ago, and the collector community sort of dropped off because it became too commercialized. It became too production. You know, doll makers were having their stuff made overseas, and that just got really flat really quickly. Yeah. And so the Blythe community is all about altered art and remaking and repainting. And there's people who are making miniature couture fashions. There are people who are making hand-painted eye chips. It's sort of this sort yeah. of multi-dimensional sort I of remember art. a couple of years ago, somebody came out and was taking those dolls and wiping their faces off with, um, you know, like nail polish remover and then painting them all natural. And I thought, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So this is this sort of fabulous, and it's really an, a, a sort of this, indie arts movement that brings makers of all different types in. But anyway, you, you asked me about, you know, documenting and you said that you were a teacher and you said, yeah, when you presentation. yeah, when you document, how do you present? And that story that I'm telling is always visual hmm. and always really textural. And when I meet someone and when I get to go to their home, as I did with Emma yesterday, when you see a bear in their own den, you really are able to see where the inspiration for their work comes from. And you're able to see the objects that they live with or surround themselves with in their studio. Mm. Um, And so just as I surround myself, there's nothing in my house that's not handmade or vintage. I mean, with the exception of like my mattress and my couches. And that's really the truth. Um, (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. And that's how I roll. And I sort of always have been. So there's this really natural aesthetic that emerges in everything that I and everything that I do because my job is to share the way I see things. Mm-hmm. And if a maker is being true to themselves and they're able to prop their goods with how they see things and not contrived and not what they've seen someplace else and not emulating something that has a lot of follows. If they're able to really look at themselves and say, you know what? My favorite color is peach, not my favorite color. Mm -mm. And I absolutely love goldenrod or I absolutely love turquoise. And, you know, I'm nuts for linen and I love taxidermy. I don't know. Whatever whatever it is that, you know, or, or butterflies speak to me or, you know, I love books. You know, I have a friend. um, I have a thing for sticks and stones. Okay, great. So you should always then, and when I do branding with makers, when I do actual business development counseling with makers, I usually ask them what their favorite words are, what their favorite objects are. And basically, I I try to understand what makes them tick aesthetically Mm -hmm. so that I can understand the produced goods inspiration source. I didn't know you did uh, consulting and branding. I didn't see that. I do. I do. But that's you know, really cool. I do. So I, so it's like, that's my training. That's my profession. So is that training. how you educate people? Cause that is a great segue into the educating part. You know, we've got art. What do you make? You, you curate all the other makers and present them in a gorgeous manner. And then you've got product. You sell their product. I love the fact that you buy outright. That is so fabulous. I'm going to quote you on that commission is BS. <laughs> yeah, consignment is consignment. Consignment is yes. Yeah, commissions don't work either. By the way, they're just they're just a actual failed first date before it happens. <laughs> commissions are like the blind date you shouldn't go on. <laughs> but the education is really important, right? Because yeah. ed- education breeds. Education breeds self-confidence because self-confidence comes from knowing 
something intimately, knowing yourself, knowing what you can do, knowing Uh what you can't do. And the smartest person on the planet is the one who knows to ask for help. There's a great quote somewhere about knowing what you don't know. Yeah. And I, like, I know I'm smart enough to know there are people way smarter than me. And my son and I over breakfast yesterday, were talking about like how different people get to know themselves through different achievements. And so if you have success with something, you have training with something, you gain self-confidence and you might know you, you're good at something or you might know you're mediocre, but being educated on the full picture allows you to add pages and people to your story that build it and mm. that, that, that reinforce it and that help you move forward. So no one is good at everything. I'm good at a lot of different things and really horrible at a lot of different things. I didn't go to art school. I thought about it. I didn't go. Right. Mm-hmm. I studied art history. I've studied fine arts. So I can look at a painting and pretty much see if the person's trained. I can tell if they're right or lefty. I can tell what kind of paint they're using. I can oh, tell me. what they've done. Right. So, so that's training. So I'm really confident because I've been educated. And because I've been exposed, I'm really confident in knowing when something is well done, right? It's like, it's like if you're a cook, you know, if the ingredients are fresh, you know, if somebody sliced their own garlic or used the garlic from the jar or used yeah. garlic powder, like yeah. you just know. And that yeah. comes from education and experience. How do you know if somebody's a lefty or a righty? I've never heard that one before. You can tell whether someone works on an easel. You can tell where they, they work flat. It's how they move the paint across the the you look at the brush strokes uh-huh. and you can tell if somebody's usually a lefty, right? Because of the way they make their O's, because the pen goes if someone's lefty, usually an O goes clockwise. And if they're righty, it usually goes counterclockwise. Interesting. See, so you're gonna start studying handwriting a lot more. But anyway, so with the brush, right? You can tell which direction the brush has moved and where the residual paint is left, especially on a textured piece. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's harder to tell with drawing, except if you really get close. But when you get intimate with education and when you learn something and when you know something, you are able to capitalize upon it. So the more a maker knows about the business side of things, the more they may be able to understand, hey, this is something I need help with because I'm smart enough to know I need help. Mm -hmm. This is something that makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in deep water. I need a life preserver. I need an accountant. I need a graphics person. Mm-hmm. I need somebody, dear God, to teach me something about social media. <laughs> I might be able to be this unbelievably talented maker. And I am constantly astounded about how many talented makers absolutely cannot tell a visual story through photography because it's almost, do you hear me? Because it looks like yeah. I got a No. Okay. Uh, no, I'm like listening. Good. Okay. I'm reconnected now. So what I was going to say is makers, I'm astounded that makers lack the capacity to retell their story visually. And so I'm a photographer of reasonable capacity, I'm not a great photographer. I'm good. But I think the reason I'm good is because I'm aware of how I want to present something what I want people to see, and what I want people to react to. And makers really need to not undo or dumb down the fabulous quality of their own handmade and their own work and their own art by presenting it in a visually poor fashion. If it's at a show, they need to have a visually attractive and engaging booth that's propped well and displayed well. They need to have totally adorable tags. They need to have their signature on every single thing authenticating it as an original. I don't care what it is. I want a signature on it. I want a cute tag or, or a elegant tag or a chic tag or whatever their mood is tag so that the tag is kept and the buyer can find their way back to the maker. 
And I desperately, desperately want people to be able to find their way to the maker from the tagging. It is really weird the way so many makers are scared of photography. I can't tell you how many artists and makers I've had be like, I don't know how to present my work. I, I don't know how to photograph it. I don't know. And I'm I'm just, that's one of the things I want to do is, is make a little course for people on how to photograph their artwork in the best light. Because it's not hard. It really isn't. Well, that's all we have time for. But next week, we continue the conversation with Jen O'Connor of Earth Angel Studios. Jen is such a live wire. Did you catch that part where she said that uh, commission is BS? Oh my gosh, she cracks me up. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue the conversation here on The Artist Appeals. We're talking with Jen O'Connor, the owner and founder of Earth Angel Studios. It's a gallery in Florida, New York. They have an amazing show coming up on November 15th, 16th, and 17th. You got to be there. If you're anywhere close, go check it out. This woman throws a hell of a party. She is the lovely lady. She buys artwork outright. And so it's really interesting her different take on the gallery system. She believes in living a curated life. And I've really enjoyed talking with her. I hope you've enjoyed listening. So join us next week for the final part of this episode interviewing Jen O'Connor of Earth Angel Studios. Thanks and join us next week on The Artist Appeals. Hey, I want to take just a quick second to tell you about a new offer I have. All this information that I've been gathering from 12 years plus of teaching, plus all these interviews with amazing guests, I've summarized in the seven-step system, the appeals system for building a business in the art and making your artwork appeal. So whether you're a photographer, a designer, an illustrator, a graphic designer, whatever your specialty is, we've got something for you. It's a new online class. It's the seven-step system for making your artwork appeal. I'm going to teach you all these amazing things, summarize them all in one place, and give you a system so that you can build a business in the arts. And for a limited time, we have five bonuses thrown in for free, as well as I'm offering lifetime access to this course for all these foundational members. So if you're interested in an online class that you can take in the comfort of your home, that you have lifetime access to as it grows and develops and we get even more information, you'll have lifetime access to it for an amazing price of just $197. Go check out theartistappeals.com. Well, that's it for The Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals, A-P-P-E-A-L-S.com. Thanks and have a good one.